So welcome everyone and thank you all for being here this evening. The new moon, as many of us know, is well known as a time of renewal and of beginnings. It is, however, also a time of bridging from the past to the future and the carrying forward of work already initiated onto a higher turn of the spiral. And so we meet here tonight at a particularly bridging time between the full moons of Waysack of Taurus, which occurred just two weeks ago, and the coming full moon of Gemini, which is the Festival of Humanity and World Invocation Day, which will occur in just two weeks' time. These full moons constitute, the full moon always constitutes the higher interlude of the monthly cycle. And at this time, a vertical alignment between humanity and hierarchy or the kingdom of souls is most facilitated. That the new moon is a time to focus on the distribution and the creative application of these energies within the realm of human living. This work at the time of the new moon anchors the higher interlude into the realm of human consciousness and it keeps the plan progressing. Working in both of these interludes enables us to take full advantage of the energies that are made available. And towards this end, it is important to keep in mind that the disciple, the spiritual worker, the esoteric worker, despite extending oneself upward or downwards or outwards into the realm of human living, at the, same, at the same time always must remain poised at the center of the cross. And so this means that he or she must maintain a vertical alignment in all exoteric work, and at the same time consecrate whatever measure of spiritual vision and knowledge attained to its application in the world of human living. The aim is to be active along both planes at once, and in fact, to bridge between them through the medium of one's own mind. As I just mentioned a moment ago, this bridging is particularly relevant to our current new moon, which bridges between the new moons of Taurus and Gemini. As many of us know, these are the two final full moons of the higher interlude of the spiritual year, which, which is consisted of Aries, Taurus, and Gemini. And we can view these three full moons as one great invocative act, initiated at Aries and carried forward to a consummation in Gemini at World Invocation Day. And so today we will have a short presentation on working with the science of invocation and evocation as we prepare for World Invocation Day and the Gemini full moon. This will be followed as usual by a group meditation to strengthen the hands of the new group of world servers. And that will be followed by a period for um, discussion. And so now before proceeding any further, 
let us align ourselves in thought and intention by sounding together the affirmation of the disciple, which will appear on your screens. I am a point of light within a greater light. I am a strand of energy within a stream of love divine. I am a point of sacrificial fire focused within the fiery will of God. And thus I stand. I am a way by which men may achieve. I am a source of strength, enabling them to stand. I am a beam of light shining upon their way, and thus I stand. And standing thus revolve, and tread this way, the ways of men, and know the ways of God, and thus I stand. Our work, at the, our work in meditation at the new and full moons is always invocative in nature. So I thought by beginning with a brief definition of what invocation is, um, this may help to facilitate our subjective work tonight. Invocation flows out of the natural urge to evolve that is present in all living things and in all kingdoms in nature. In the plant, this urge drives the seed to sprout, to arise out of the soil and to avail itself of the life-giving rays of the sun. In the intelligent man or woman, this urge drives them towards the attainment of knowledge and understanding out of the halls of ignorance and into the halls of learning. And on the spiritual path, it becomes the urge towards wisdom and the fulfillment of a purpose greater than oneself. This urge underlies the evolutionary impulse. And in the human kingdom, it is brought from latency to fulfillment through a conscious, 
and concentrated act of invocation. Invocation always arises from below and is met with a response or evocation from above. This establishes a divine circulatory flow between all kingdoms in nature, uniting them in a great chain or hierarchy of lives. This chain spans from the mineral to the plant to the animal through the through the human kingdom and on upwards through a graded series of superhuman lives, reaching eventually the world, Lord of the world himself, who is the planetary whole in whom we live and move and have our being. Those who are new to or interested in this work of invocation may rightly ask, how is this act of invocation carried out? And what exactly is evoked? Invocation occurs through a concentrated, through concentrated and focused thought and an appeal towards divinity for the highest good. The cultivation of a selfless attitude aligns one automatically with the world of soul. And this facilitates a way of communication between the higher and the lower. Invocation and evocation establishes a two-way bridge upon which the ascending radiance of the invoking light and the descending light of the spiritual illumination can pass. And to facilitate this two-way communication Humanity itself must become a bridge. And thus the importance of our work in group meditation here tonight. And thus also the importance of bringing a spiritual consciousness to all one's daily work. For this bridge between the higher and lower, although it is built in consciousness, is built by a directed life tendency and not through meditation alone. Invocation requires purity of intention, a focused mind, and a fervent desire towards the good of the whole. Perhaps most importantly, the right type of intensity must be cultivated. This intensity should emphasize the needs of the whole and not one's own role as the server. It should be an intensity of alignment with the higher energies or ideals which one seeks to evoke. The cultivation of intensity and striving in turn in time evokes the will. This is the will to good, the will to serve, and the will to become the soul in manifestation. This evocation of the will brings about a movement from the, aspiration of, from the aspiration to spiritual ideals to an embodiment of them. This gives them living form and expression through the medium of the human being. 
Only through becoming are these ideals fully precipitated into human consciousness. These, these ideals we can imagine express as, amongst other things, universal brotherhood, international cooperation, and an increased sense of responsibility for each other, for the environment, and for the working out of the plan on Earth. The Tibetan writes that the science of invocation and evocation will eventually form the basis of a new universal approach to religion. And in alignment, and in part of this statement, he gives a very meaningful and universal definition of what religion is. He states, quote, religion is the name given to the invocative appeal of humanity and the evocative response of the greater life to that cry, end quote. Despite the many errors of religion over the past 2000 years, the true religious spirit is more alive today than ever before. And this spirit can be seen rising up on all sides from within and without the major theological traditions movements around the world. Along these lines, the new world religion will emerge naturally as the universal aspects of all major faiths begin to be recognized and observed. The full moons of Aries, Taurus, and Gemini are already observed as holy days in many of the world's traditions. It is not difficult to imagine a time when those of different faiths recognize that though their theology and tradition differ, they do share a common approach to the divine and can unite at least in shared intention during these times. This of course does not mean that Christians will have to become Hindus or Hindus will become Muslims or that any or anybody will necessarily need to give up their religion. Rather, the idea of a new world religion heralds a time when the universal aspects of all religions will become so emphasized that the religious spirit of mankind will naturally bring about a united approach to divinity. Such a united approach to spiritual worship will constitute a tremendous act of invocation at specific times and on a scale undreamt of today. One can imagine billions of people around the world of all different faiths uniting together and this in turn will break down those barriers between religions that though weakening are still so present today. And this time may not be as far off as we think. Change today is happening very rapidly. There is a expressed desire for this new type of world to be brought about.
So today we are at the new moon, which precedes the full moon of Gemini, which is the referred to by many names, the festival of the world teacher, festival of humanity. And also this day is World Invocation Day. And on this day, people of many different faiths and from many different nations join together in a united act of invocation. On this day, individuals are asked to use a specific prayer called the Great Invocation. They're asked to use it together and in groups and to use it to make united approach to divinity and the world of the soul. The Great Invocation is a world prayer and it expresses the spiritual need of humanity with a profound purity and completeness. It pierces through all the difficulties and doubts so endemic to the human condition and it goes straight to the mind and heart of the one in whom we live and move and have our being. This mantra is a very powerful mantra. Its power, its power lies not in the fact that it is composed of specific secret or magical words necessarily, but in its ability to transform not just individual consciousness, but the consciousness of all humanity, and therefore the planet itself. This mantra is composed of four simple stanzas, and it's followed by a fifth stanza, which summarizes and synthesizes all of them in one final invocative appeal. The first stanza invokes light from within the mind of God. It asks, really demands that this light stream forth into human minds so that that light may express itself, may be expressed on earth. The second stanza invokes the love of God from within the heart of God, so that a perfect expression of that love may once again walk openly on earth in human form. The third stanza invokes the unerring will of God so that it might guide humanity onto the straight and narrow path. The fourth stanza invokes the power latent in humanity itself. This is the creative agency to give living form to that which God and his great agents have planned. Today, such an approach to divinity as expressed in the great invocation is needed more than ever. For we stand on the very precipice of a new era in human evolution. The rapid development of the intelligence of humanity and of course, with the rise of technology and unprecedented interrelatedness, all of this demands a new approach to divinity and to spiritual living. The science of invocation and evocation, which concerns humanity's relationship to the world of the divine, can and will lay a foundation for a new humanity and a new earth.
towards this end, we are all asked to do what we can to aid others and to serve the greater good. And it's good to remember that any field of human endeavor can be an adequate field of service from the angle of spiritual opportunity. So many today, and especially younger people, are becoming sensitive to this inner desire, really, which comes from the soul to do good, no matter what. Many are finding that a more esoteric or contemplative approach is necessary in order to give meaning and greater power to their exoteric work, their humanitarian work, or whatever their work is in their daily lives. But perhaps upon further reflection, what is most needed is a synthesis of the inner and the outer, what we call the esoteric and the exoteric, of mundane acts and of contemplative recollectedness. What is needed is a recognition that these two approaches are really two sides of the same coin and their merging underlies the establishment of a true continuity of consciousness, which is really bridge building. It is this continuity of consciousness, this establishment of a bridge to which most spiritual seekers strive, though in different ways. We know that vertical alignment brings a sense of the whole, and of the interrelatedness of all life. And this is the basis for right action. Objective work gives living, living form to that which is latent in all things, yet unexpressed until it is reified by an act of the creative will functioning through personality and a human being in the world of human living. And so as human beings, we can take a moment as we approach World Invocation Day on May 26th to take some time to reflect on our intentions with regard to our spiritual work. Reflecting on one's intention provides a means of focalizing it, which in turn strengthens the invocative appeal. The personality itself and particularly the mind has an important role to play in formulating and focalizing one's spiritual intention. It is not purely an act of the soul though the soul is a potent source of inspiration. One may consider asking oneself as one goes about this task, why he or she seeks to engage in spiritual work at all? And perhaps what exactly does one seek to bring about, not just in one's personal life, but in one's environment? This type of reflective work engages the imagination, it expands one's, the scope of one's vision, and it also helps to integrate the creative mind um, with the critical mind, with one's imagination, and um, 
with all aspects of one's nature, both spiritual and mundane. When one's individual intention reaches a point where it aligns with the intention of the soul, then the spiritual will is invoked. And this is really the basis of the creative will. For a degree of will, whether it's the lower or the higher, must always be present um, if any creative act is to, be, is to be carried forward to its consummation. There's a very popular phrase which states, we are all artists of our lives. Perhaps some of you have heard that saying before. This phrase reminds us simply that the preeminent act of each person, whether artist or not, is to become in expression what we are in reality or as souls. There is within all of us a latency which can be nurtured and brought to um, full expression. This is really the um, creative and spiritual act work of each of us. And so now as we move into our meditation, um, we can use this opportunity to align ourselves with that, with that soul and affirm the fact of its existence is existing both within us and expressing itself through us to whatever degree we are able at any time. So now is the Meditation should appear on your screen. We will begin. Let us take a moment to unite in spiritual intention with the group. Affirm this group fusion and sound together the mantra. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them.
alignment. We recognize our place as a group within the heart center of the group of world servers. Mentally extend the line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart center, to the Christ or the heart of love within the hierarchy, and onwards towards Shambhala, where the will of God is known. Higher interlude. Hold the mind focused for a few moments on the planetary role of the group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity, responding to hierarchical impression, mediating the plan into existence.
meditation. Reflect on this deep thought for the impression and expression of certain great ideas. Humanity must be brought the understanding of the fundamental ideas which will govern the new age. This is the major task of the group of world servers.
precipitation. Visualize the precipitation of the will to good, the essential love throughout the planet. From Shambhala, the planetary heart, the hierarchy, Christ, a group of world servers, through all men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world. And finally, through the hearts and minds of the whole human family. Consider the many ways in which the power of the one life and the love of the one soul are working out in the world through members of the group of world servers, so building the thoughtfulness solution to world problems.
distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the irradiation of human consciousness with light and love and power. From the point of light, within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love, within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human minds. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everybody. So we come now to the discussion period of our meeting. The floor is open for anybody to share their thoughts on anything really related to our new moon meditation work, the meditation we just did, to um, any ideas which were raised in the talk, or even if somebody has any questions, you should feel free to raise those if you like, and um, perhaps somebody on the call will have a satisfactory answer. Okay. 
will take some time for people to collect their thoughts and to um, formulate what they have to say. Of course, you're still free to share about anything, but I was considering that perhaps we could start the discussion off by focusing in on the theme of invocation. Perhaps if anybody wanted to share how they experience invocation in their own lives, uh, perhaps maybe first what it means to them, what does invocation mean to you in a more practical way. A lot of what um, was shared in the opening talk was more of the ideas of the ageless wisdom of Alice Bailey in Tibetan on invocation. And as we go about our studies and our practice, we develop our own understanding, which um, often can be expressed quite differently in different words and take on and really convey new meanings. Looks like we have a hand raised here from Joshua. Hey, Michael. Uh, just a quick thought. When you brought up the idea of what does evocation mean, it, uh, it evoked for me that, uh, that saying when the, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So maybe that's one way we could think about invocation or one example. Thanks, Joshua. I think that's an, that's an excellent example. Invocation and evocation is really, um, in a way, very closely related to the law of cause and effect. Um, and so, one in physics, I think they express it something like, you know, an action always evokes an opposite reaction uh, or a response. So there's no. Uh, Every, every causal, causal force has effects. So I think when we can really um, vocalize that intention and that, that focus, that desire and that will to a point where it um, is causative, then the effects really are inevitable. Maria Christina Donadieu, go ahead. You can unmute yourself now. Well, greetings to everyone. This is a little summation of impromptu thought I've had in the last, I don't know, hour. Regarding the great invocations <clears throat> in their entirety actually have been more widely used of late, um, particularly the second dispensation with the Lords of Liberation, which also refers to the hour of the saving force has now arrived. And that saving force, which is being evoked, when invoked, um, relates to the first aspect of Shambhala, the head center. And it just seems that one of the one of the definitions that the Tibetan gives 
uh, and he gives several, is the coming into alignment of the throat, the heart, the head of our planetary logos, that is to say, humanity and hierarchy and Shambhala coming into increasing rapport that we visualize, imagine, and in itself is an incredibly invocative act for it puts us into a new relationship, a more direct relationship between humanity and Shambhala, that first ray, which then I think requires um, group responsiveness, group identification to withhold that impact of Shambhala energy, which today is sensed in so many ways by many, you know, the great turmoil and chaos. I'm going all the way through another definition. He has a few, but of the saving force being, as we know, nuclear energy in itself. Anyway, but it's just in terms of invocation, I think that part of our meditation is incredibly powerful. Just that alignment in itself defined as a saving force. So, there you go. Thank you. Uh, David Trice, go ahead and unmute yourself. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Go ahead. This group, uh, I'd like to uh, uh, read uh, a paragraph from Alice Bailey. Uh, from Externalization of the Hierarchy, page 250. I think it's relevant to today's work. Just give me a second here. I said earlier, this is a quote from Alice Bailey, Externalization of the Hierarchy, page 250. I said earlier that the war could have been averted from, ex from expression on the physical plane had the disciples and aspirants of the world measured up to their opportunity and responsibilities. The great invocation was rendered relatively powerless from the angle of dynamic usefulness because the majority of those who used it turned into a turned it into a peace prayer. It was instead a great spiritually, spiritually militant and evocative demand. This must not happen with the stanza of the invocation. It is a demand. It is also an authoritative affirmation of existent fact. It sets in motion agencies and forces hitherto quiescent, and these can change the face of the world battlefield and invokes the Prince of Peace. Thank you. Thank you, David. It's a lot of food for thought there. So I realized um, nobody had spoken in the chat box and that it was actually disabled. I know a lot of people prefer to share their thoughts in written form, and so that function is now once again enabled. If you'd like to chat something, of course, we encourage you to share audibly um, if, you, if you can.
Steve Nation. Go ahead. Hey, Michael. Hey, everybody. Can you hear me? Hey, I can hear you fine. Go ahead. Well, um, it's this, this focus on invocation and the invocative point of tension is a really wonderful um, point of focus. And it's interesting, just commenting, first of all, on Joshua's very interesting thought that, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher arrives. And in a way, that prompted me to think that that really highlights the role of invocation, because invocation is actually from my understanding is more than that it's when the student is ready and then consciously almost with the intensity that um, david's brought up in, in in that quote from externalization consciously um, invokes the soul so that when we look at humanity as a whole the thing is to use the invocation but to have it to um to imagine that there's this deep cry coming from the human heart. And it's a deep sort of cry for meaning, for some new relationship with the sacred that can be expressed in human affairs. And so to me, when we use the great invocation, really either of the stanzas, as Maria Christina suggested, but the, the thing is to use it with this idea that we really are calling upon a power that exists and that our act of calling is noticed by that power that exists and then we, ex we, can, um, we can expect a response, which is different from just being ready and waiting. It's actually consciously inviting um, those that the, those forces of enlightenment to pour in and to me that's a really important um, task now to imagine humanity holding a point of tension that's it sir thank you steve so much it was really insightful thank you i um yeah i feel like the will has to be active to me that's what's so key in the vocation that will has to be active. Exactly I think there. many, you know, I think many people experience that differently in preparation for this talk. I was, I was reflecting really in preparation for the discussion. I was just preparing, you know, well, how do I experience invocation in my life? And I realized it's always through creativity and through the, through the preparation of some form, whatever that is, through preparing it for whatever life is meant to be expressed through it whether that's, you know, writing something like this talk, or I was previously a, a professional dancer, or even little things, you know, um, in my personal life where you're, where I'm creating, I find that for me, that's, that focus in on that intensity of focus on that is just sort of what brings about, um, what brings about the invocation, but, but really it's wherever people find that intensity of their will, wherever they can apply that. And it's gonna be different for everybody, I think. There's quite a few um, comments in the chat now. 
looks like David Trice posted the, uh, the quote he read. Matthew Martin says, invocation is to bring spiritual energies into our consciousness and into our heart from the greater source. Evocation is what we express and radiate out from our consciousness and our heart. Catherine Cruz says, in the life of the individual, what is evoked must be recognized as a response to invocation and it might be surprising. Jessica says one is evocation exoteric as the other invocation is esoteric perhaps. Yes, usually invocation refers to the appeal that comes from below. Evocation is the response from above. So invocation of humanity evokes a response from higher. Clint Galvin says the new group of world servers are counted on to, quote, voice the demand from humanity for spiritual help, an evocative demand which will be answered in time. Yes, and perhaps it already is being answered. Um, and perhaps it's being answered through the, uh, through the increased power that those within the new group of world servers are finding available to them in their own field. Well, if nobody has anything else to share, um, we are about an hour on now, and I think this may be a good place to close our meeting tonight. I'd like to thank you all so much for being here and for that meditation, for the discussion. Before we conclude with our final moment of silence, I'd just like to make a few announcements about upcoming meetings. The Arcane School Conference um, in Geneva will occur on May 22nd and 23rd. Um, and also the London conference will occur on May 29th and May 30th. And those times, I believe, are local times. So that's 3 to 5.30 um, Central Eastern European time for Geneva. And the 2 to 4.30 p.m. is uh, British summer time. The Gemini Christ Festival, Festival of Humanity, um, which is the full moon of Gemini, will occur on Tuesday, May 25th at 1.30 p.m. That is just before the London Conference. Um, and World Invocation Day is the following day, on the same day as the full moon, May 26th. The next, gem, the next full moon, sorry, the next new moon will occur later in June 10th at 6 p.m. EDT. All of these times can be found on our website at lucistrust.org. Thank you all. And as we conclude, let us all join together in one final moment of silence.
Thank you.